Welcome to the Beyond the Waves podcast. I'm your host, Julia Taranzak, and my twin brother Michael has Down syndrome and is my inspiration behind everything that I do. My mission is to share the lessons I've learned in unconditional love through growing up with Michael, to provide a means of healing while empowering you to achieve what makes your heart sing, all while revealing the beauty behind each individual who has Down syndrome. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Waves podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for a fourth episode in our Black Lives Matter series, where we look at the intersection between racism and disability. As we start to close out Black History Month, I'm so excited to have Greg Hudgens on our podcast this week. Firefighter and healthcare worker Gregory Hudgens is the former chief of the Center Groton Volunteer Fire Department in Groton, Connecticut, and currently works for Marikey as a direct support professional, along with more than 10 years as a fire and damage control trainer for the United States Navy Submarine Force, Greg brings a host of training and experience in emergency and medical response. In his current role at Marikey, he supports individuals in a group home situation to live more independently and manage behaviors. Greg has been recognized by the Fire Service for several awards over his career and is a recipient of the 2012 First 100 Plus Award from the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence for championing the cause for victims of domestic violence. Welcome, Greg Hutchins, to the Beyond the Waves podcast. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Our listeners are so excited to have you, and I'm just so thrilled to have you on our show. I am glad to be here. Thank you. With you on all this. <laughs> so grateful to have you. Well, to get started, I know in your background, you started off working the fire department. Mm-hmm. What was your inspiration to join? What got you into that track? Um, I, to be honest, you know, I have always felt that I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, being a kid, you know, being in kindergarten, that's the first thing I, I had told my parents and my teacher. I said, I want to be a fireman, you know? So we moved from New London to across the bridge to Groton, Connecticut. And we lived in an area where the firehouse was actually uh, a mile down the road. No way. So, yeah. So when I went there when I was, uh, I think, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, well, you're too young. You know, try again next year. And I was like, oh, okay, but you know, still come on down. And I did the next following year. I did. I put my application in and off went running. Went running. And it was even my neighbor who was in high school um, was actually set to graduate. He was also a firefighter for the same department. Mm -hmm. So when calls came in, I would ride with him to the call. So yeah, and I've been doing it for 26 years. What, I mean, you said it earlier, you're like, I wanted to help people. What was your inspiration behind that from so early on? I think it was my teacher. Mm -hmm. It was my teacher. It was my teacher in the fourth grade. You know, she said anything is possible, you know? And I was like, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? You know what I mean? I had some doubts. I had some doubts because how things were going for me. Okay, in, in the city I lived in. 
So it, you have to understand, I was a kid growing up in the in the educational system where they were just letting me keep they kept they kept passing me mm-hmm. but I was a kid that didn't know how to read really yes I didn't know how to read I didn't know how to read until the sixth grade and they still kept passing me so that's when my dad decided to move my mom and dad said we need to move we need to get out of here the educational system is not working yeah okay so we went to Groton and then we did some tests and everything else and they figured out dyslexia. So it took you that long until sixth grade to realize that you had dyslexia. Dyslexia. Still didn't know how to read. So my dad, when I finally got into junior high and stuff, my dad was like, you need a tutor. Figure it out, get a tutor. And that actually muscled me to get going. Yeah. So back in the day when I was growing up, we had phone books. (laughs) So I would read the phone book. All the names. From Anderson, Ollie to Smith's to whatever, even the little maps on there, you know, A4, where's that? Oh, that's such and such street, you know, and then look up that street and then look at the names where people who lived on that street. That's funny. So you just, yeah. you're just a neighborhood expert. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I knew one neighborhood had a hundred and hundred and something Smith's on it. Of course. <laughs> You know, so that's what inspired me to, I really needed to get my stuff together. And then I said, well, I don't, I don't want to be like this anymore. I, I need to do something with my life because, you know, there's not much for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So let me get into this. Let me have a, a, a tool in my toolbox. Let me get that experience. Yeah. And, and there it is. Boom. 26 years later, up the ranks, all the way to chief. Congratulations. It's amazing to hear that. And just thank you for all your service that you've done. Yeah. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you kind of also switch gears a little bit and you're a direct support professional. Can you just share with our listeners just really quickly, what is that and what does your role look like? My role in that is basically giving our individuals with mental issues and behavior issues a chance, treat, treating them like a human, mm-hmm. okay? I, I don't consider them handicapped. I consider them a human being, yeah. okay? They yeah. have feelings just like the rest of us, but it's just the fact that some people don't understand, okay? And some of them don't talk, whatever it may be. So my job is to come in and give them that, that life, okay? My job is to make their life better give them some skills, Uh, teach them how to fold their laundry, okay? Talk to them with grace and respect, okay? Uh, Do things that that I can do, they can do, okay? Taking you, you gotta have patience. That that's our job. Our job (laughs) is to have patience. Very well. Patience, that's our job. Our job is patience. Our job is to get this person that's here, okay? I want them up here. So that's my job is to get them there, okay? I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get them here. And then I'm going to elevate it some more and bring them up. That is my job. I'm supporting them. I'm supporting them because their parents can't support them because it's really rough on them. 
Mm-hmm. So that's where we come in. That's our job. Okay. Inspired you to switch to this. I know. I mean, I know you already said earlier, you know, you wanted to help people. Listen, I tell you, I tell you, it started off um, when I was in Connecticut, I had not only the fire department, but I was also working in a group home there. Okay. And I, I wanted to take that chance. I'm a leap into that. And I jumped right in. I, st- I loved it. Okay. So not only was I doing that in firefighting and my DSP job, I also worked as a CNA, right? Because I love old people. They have the greatest stories. Yeah, they do. Okay? And, and, and to understand they have history. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was like, I really love this. I love working with individuals with, you know, certain behavior issues and, and, you know, mental issues. I love it. So I kind of got rid of the CNA and I jumped, I said, well, I got my whole time has to be into this. I have to be focused into this area. Okay. I've seen it. I have seen it, you know, when I wasn't part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I was like, I, oh man, this is, I, I get fulfilled doing this job. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a burnout for me. That's it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a warning. Mm-hmm. It's like it's feeding your energy. It's kind of keeping you going. So what? you're not getting burnt out. You're like, I need more of this. I look, I when I get up in the morning, okay, I'm happy to be alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I get to work, I don't care if somebody was mad at me driving in. When I when I step through the doors, what's up? It's, it's on. And my guys know they're like, oh God, Greg's here. Greg's here. The employees. You know, it's early in the morning, Greg. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're the kick of sunshine they all need. I, I am. I I am. And I tell them, hey, this is what you get. This is what you hired me for. Exactly. This is what it is. It's my job. If I'm happy, they're going to be happy. Because understand this, a lot of our individuals feed off of that. Mm-hmm. Negative energy, you're not going to get things done. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> Positive energy. What? Yeah. I'm the fun dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Greg fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy to think, cause I think so many people in these kind of situations always think that it's really challenging or it's really difficult. And I, what I really love every time I talk to you is that you make things fun. You make it, you almost make it sound easy because you're making it. I don't want to say a game, but you're just bringing such a great positive attitude mm-hmm. And just like hearing what you create with that is incredible. It, it is. It, it listen, you you literally have to figure this whole thing out. Okay, our job as DSPs in this field, it ninety five percent you're burned out. Why are you burned out? Do you know why you're burned out? I can tell you. You're miserable. Number one, you have issues at home that you can't leave at the door. Two or three. The, you you've, you spend so much time coming into work because you're making the money, right? It's all about the money. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. You can say that I love the individuals that I work with, but it's the money. So you keep coming in. So when you come in, no time off, no time to spend with your family. Okay. Not even just relaxing. You get burnt out. So then you, you turn to be miserable. Then you're getting sick, right? No. You got to change that. Open the door. Let's change it. Change it. You know what your schedule is? Yeah. 
okay. Hey, can you come in for extra hours? Sure. Mm -hmm. I'll do it this week, but don't count on it next week. You know what I mean? And that's where the employees start to decline and then it's miserable. And then they have an attitude where, no, nah, you know what I mean? Greg's coming in. Just, I mean, let me get it together. Cause you know, he's all Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you've set really healthy boundaries with work and with life and just knowing that when you're there, you're there for the individuals. Absolutely. That is that I'm on their time. You hired me for a reason. I'm on their time. There's things they got to do. There's things I'm going to do with them. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it all boils down to. And people say, oh, I love these guys. I can't do. Yeah, I love them, too. I love them, too. But in, in three months, where are they? Did you did you step up to the plate? Did you get them to where you need to be? That's not my business. My business is that I know that I'm with this individual and he has literally stepped his game up. You know, because when they start asking about you, you've made an impression. Yeah. We've talked before, and I mean, you have such a very interesting, I don't want to say interesting, but you have a really great teaching style. Mm -hmm. And you always say you're, it, you're not people pleasing at all, which right. I love. You really, you go <laughs> to get your things done. Can you yes. show our listeners more of what that looks like and what your goal is with all your individuals that you work it, with? Well, my, my, my goal is to, it basically it is, it's established by, uh, we all work together. Okay. It's not my stuff. It's our stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when I, when I first got into this, you know, especially with the high behaviors, uh, when I walked into a classroom and I had somebody that was teaching me like what was going on, I actually had to sit back. I actually had to watch a behavior. I actually had to be part of that behavior. Okay. So if they're, if they're kicking me and scratching me, that's fine. Okay, because I, I want them to know like, oh, this guy, he's not backing off me. He's literally like here and he's really trying to get me started. And I, I want them to, I want it to click in their brain. Like, I'm not here to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so we have to establish boundaries. And when you establish boundaries, then you establish the structure, okay? And, and how things should be done. All right. But I'm going to, I'm, we're going to do it to where we can all have the structure together. Yeah. Okay. The, so when I was in a classroom, it wasn't my classroom. It was our classroom. It's ours. So with that being said, when I took over the classroom with seven individuals, okay. And a co-teacher, you, you have to establish the fact that we have structure, right? We have some discipline. We own the room, but we have to have cleanliness. A yeah. clean room, what? Some, some, some aromatherapy, okay? So, and, and when you do all that and have a clean room and you wanted painted walls and everything else, I, I want bright colors, okay? That we can all withstand. Everything came together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And even though I had six individuals that were nonverbal and one person that was verbal, I still, I said, thank you to them. I called them, sir. Okay. Yeah. We worked, then we, right. So then we established that there was a line. So then we established that we'll work Monday through Thursday. 
Okay, we'll get, we'll do some puzzles. We get this stuff. We got stuff doing here. Da, 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 da. Everything was set. Fridays, I called it chill Fridays. And my guys loved it. My guys loved it because there was, there was a structure. And the days I didn't go to work, I will have a sub in there. The guys will lose their mind. They will lose their mind. Where's our teacher? Like one guy would, would say, call me teacher. Where's my teacher? Where's, I don't like you. Where's my teacher? So on and so forth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and when I came back to, when I came back to work the next day, they were like, oh my God, Greg, your room. Oh, those guys are just losing it. I'm like, oh, okay. Did you establish yourself? Did you, did you make sure that it was their room, our room? You have to understand you, you just can't come in here and start doing things off the rip. Mm -hmm. doesn't work. We have structure in my class. You greet the guys at the door. I don't know if anybody told you. And they're like, what? I said, I greet my guys every morning at the door. Good morning. Hey, you know, they come in. Hey, teacher, brother. I give them hugs when they came in. All right, you know where to put your stuff. And it was starting to click. Mm -hmm. They put their stuff away. They sit down. They knew when Friday was coming. Okay. There were times I came to class dressed as one of my students. <laughs> <laughs> you make it interesting and they loved it and then it got to a point where you know class was shutting down and they were going home we actually got them to clean put chairs away but that took time mm -hmm. you have to have the patience and that's how i established it and then when they were getting if they had a bad day and you could see it okay and they wanted to put their hands on you right that's why i always wore a sweatshirt because the sweatshirt was my armor Okay. Yeah. So if they grabbed me, I would, I would grab their hand. I put my hand over it and I'm like, Hey, it's all right. It's all right. You, you want to rip it? Go ahead and rip it. You know? And then they would look at you like, he's really letting me do this. And I'm like, listen, but you know, we're not really supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you need to go ahead, you need some time, go ahead and sit back and chill, relax. I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do it. Yeah. And, and, and they would, they would look at you. And then just, you know, want to hold your hand and then just sit back down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, 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 you have to establish that people will be like, oh my God, they're, they're, they're fighting me. Then you know what? Why are you in this, you're in this field? You know, this is going to happen. Exactly. Right. So then you study every individual. I know how this person ticks. I know how this person, ticks. I know what makes him upset. And sometimes I would do it on purpose because they haven't had a behavior in two weeks. Mm. So I would set them off. <laughs> so if, if, them because you know, it's going to, it's going to happen eventually or it just. Right. So I would head it off at the pass. Let me, let me give him a behavior today because he hasn't had one in a week or he hasn't had one in two weeks. That's not what I'm, I'm all about. I don't want them to have a behavior, but if I send them home and he has an issue, right? That might fester with him the whole weekend. Yeah. Okay. Or when he's with, he goes home and he's with his parents and his sister, you know what I'm saying? So let me go ahead. And I try to tell him, is he going home this weekend? They're like, well, yeah, then I'm going to go ahead and set him off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want him to get all that energy out, get all of it out. So now, yeah, he'll be mad at me for about a couple hours, which is fine. You can yeah. be mad. But when he goes home, you're going to be like, wow, he, you have any behaviors this weekend? No, he was, he was fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. it sounds like if you're not doing that, you're going to have like a ticking bomb later that goes off in the weekend and you, no one's there to you will. get everything. And exactly. And, and what happens, what tends to happen if you don't set them off, like I would plan it to set one off, which will set everybody else off, <laughs> which is, I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? I know how to yeah. deal with it. And, and what happens is a trickle effect. And then three weeks, I had nothing. Okay. And, and that's, I think that's what people don't realize. Like he hasn't had a behavior in so long. And I think things are going great. Yeah, they're going great. But that one time you really going to be in for a battle. So set them off, set them off. You know what I mean? And, and realize what sets them off. Mm -hmm. Set them off. Great. An hour or two is done. He's good. (laughs) It's so funny. You mentioned that because I feel like all of us as people too, like we're not always going to be happy. We're not always going to be all smiles all the time. And we still have our moods and we still have moments where we're frustrated or annoyed. And like right. I know myself, I'm super guilty of doing the um, like toxic positivity. Yeah, I'll just cover my upset emotions and just kind of act like everything's fine. But that's not true. We all have our ups and downs and it's important to have those moments when you need to have your moments right? or else it's all going to kind of implode later. And you're like, oh my gosh. So I just, I love that you're mentioning this because it's still, you know, everything that you're doing, it's like you're, you're emphasizing, reminding us that all these individuals are all human, just like you or I. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other thing too, is like, I try to tell people, I know you're scared. Because yeah. you've never been involved in this, but you cannot show that. Okay. Because if you do, they, they see it, yeah. they can read it, they can see it. And when you start to be like, oh, oh, every time they move to do something. Yeah. I, I got her now, or I got him. I understand. Oh yeah. They're scared of me and they can be yeah. scared of us. You know what I mean? So, and I just say, no, no, no. You know what you're in for when you got hired. If it's high behaviors, it's bound to happen. Yeah. Take your lumps. Because if you if you if you don't like it, this is where it separates everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And believe I've taken my lumps and loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Open arms. Here we go. Just because I know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't turn your back. Make sure your back is to the exit door. So on and so forth. If and if you're a good talker, man, you can diffuse anything. <laughs> exactly. You can. It sounds like you can smooth talk your way out of a lot of things. With uh, listen, uh, you, you know, because uh, understand these these guys and girls don't want to hear. Okay, can you just can you please stop? Uh, uh, they're grown adults. Talk normal. Yeah. Hey, man, come on, bro. Seriously, oh, it's all right. It's okay. Can, can we do this? And then I'll give you the opportunity to do this, right? Because some of these guys that they're intelligent, you know, they are intelligent, but they have a, a mind of maybe a 16 year old. Yeah. And sometimes they don't want to hear that, you know, come on, please. Can you, can you do this? When you start doing that, eventually they're going to tell you straight and be mad about it. Stop talking to me like a kid. Exactly. Cause they're not a kid. Because they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not. So you have to establish that. You got to establish that rapport. 
Exactly. The human aspect is huge. Just remembering they're a human, they're an adult. Just because someone's nonverbal, and I know I have this with Michael a lot, doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. Doesn't mean that they right. can't understand. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Bingo. You know, and and that's that's what it is. You know, and that, this is and it's very it's refreshing for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always love hearing what you're doing, Greg. And I just to shift gears a little bit, I'm mm-hmm. excited to have you as part of our Black Lives Matter series. Where we're really kind of looking at that intersection between race and disability. And I just want to know, how did the events that happened last year, especially during George Floyd, when Black Lives Matter was really kind of picking up its movement again last year, mm-hmm. how did those events impact you? Uh, I stayed home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I have to tell you, as a Black American male, six foot one, 270 pounds. Um, I stayed home. Yeah. I, did, I didn't even want to drive. My, my, my outlook on that was I go to work and I come home. I don't stop anywhere else. Okay. Because to be honest, we knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, this was coming. And when it, when it sparked off, like it did, it, it, it just took off. Okay. And I had to look at things and how I was doing things to be like, yeah, I, I could have been shot. Okay. I, I could have been in jail because it, it brings up a lot of things. And, and number one, as Americans in this country, we are traumatized every day. We watch it on TV and then we move it on to our devices. Mm-hmm. Okay. So most of, everybody here has PTSD some way, somehow, because we're watching trauma unfold. Yeah. Okay. So this, the Black Lives Matter thing, I, I think it's great. Uh, I think the movement is, is excellent. I wish that a lot of white America can jump on board with it yeah, and see it for themselves, okay? And then you would figure out, wow, um, Black Americans think totally different. You had to, okay. you have to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I'll tell you why, even my wife, and you know, and me and my wife are in a racial couple, right? And, and here's, this is, this, is, this is pretty funny, but again, she didn't realize it until I said it, right? So we have two cars. She has a convertible Audi. I have a Volvo, right? So I asked my wife one day, we were driving, I said, hey, where's your insurance card? In your insurance card in your car. She's like, oh, it's in the glove box. And I said, where in your glove box? She goes, well, I got it electronically too. I said, okay, but where is it in this glove box? Because see, I'm thinking ahead. We have two separate last names. Mm -hmm. If I drive her car and I get pulled over and I'm searching for this registration and insurance, what is the first thing they're gonna do to me? Step out of the car, this ain't your car. Mm. Okay. So in my car, I only have two pieces of paper in my car. Insurance, registration. 
my car's clean. So if they do say, hey, step out of your car, I'm like, for what? We'll get this little tussle, whatever. But I'm going to say to the cops, hey, man, there's only two pieces of paper in this car. There's nothing else. If there's something else in this car, you put it in there. That's the thinking. Yeah. We're trying to avoid all that. Okay. We're, we're on a whole different thing. And, 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 it's, and it seems to be getting worse. You know? So yeah, this Black Lives Matter is very, very serious. It's very, very serious. And it's impact me big time because I was scared to leave my house and I'm 47 years old. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things and I think for myself, especially was I started hearing a lot of people's stories and I'm sure just like your wife, like there were so many things I never had to think about because I've mm -hmm. never been in those situations. Mm -hmm. And hearing so many people sharing their experiences and what happened was kind of like, oh my gosh, like where have I been living? Because I, this was like under my nose and I had no idea. Absolutely. What are some of your biggest stories or your biggest examples of racism that you've experienced that you're just like, I can't believe this I, thing and people need to know about this. Well, you know what? Let, let's, let's talk about in the fire service. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to the academy for a particular training and um I think I was, I think I was 23, 24 years old. I'm going up to the academy uh, for a day training. And I walk in the building and there's these posters of four individuals, a white dude, a white female, Hispanic, and a black guy. White guy, dressed, uniform straight, got his books in his hands. He, he's passing with an A plus. Female, She's all right. She's still dressed pretty good. You know what I mean? She's kind of like thinking like, uh, you know, I'm not sure. The Hispanic was just like, he's there. He's trying, right? He's missing a couple things. And then the African-American male, black African-American male, disheveled, failing. I saw that. I went to my instructor. I said, hey, man, does that, is that supposed to represent me? That, that poster, that represents all of us. Are you serious? And by the time we went on lunch break, that, that whole poster was down. Good for you for speaking up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, they, and the funny thing about it, after I complained about that, they, they had put me through the ringer and I knew it was coming, mm -hmm. but I prevailed. I still prevailed. I still passed the class. And I looked at each one of them and I said, okay, you're going to see me again. And then when I became chief, I saw, hey man, what's going on? And then it was like, the, the tune has changed. But even in the fire service, we, I, I got a lot of racism in it. You know what I mean? We, we literally, I got bombarded with a lot of stuff, um, called names. I've been, I've been to a fire where the guy's house is on fire, you know? And in front of his kids, he was like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm here to put the fire out, bro. He's like, no, I don't, I don't want any, any N-words in my house. So the crew caught, caught wind of that. And they were just destroying things in this dude's house. <laughs> that wasn't burning because of what he said. Because the fire department is a brotherhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if, you, if you're dealing with one individual, oh, you, that's what you said? Okay, we're going we're gonna to take it from here.
mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's funny because I think my worst story is when we lived in a small town in Mystic, okay? I went to the store, CVS at the time, to get some razors and some gummy bears. I love gummy bears. Um, I walked out and I, had, I was looking at my truck because I thought I parked a little bit outside, you know, because it's pretty long. So I was inspecting my truck and I actually looked up and I looked at the police eye to eye as they're driving by, which is nothing I would think. But I noticed that they were turning around and coming into the parking lot now. Mm. Okay. And I was like, oh, I guess they're going to come for me. So I open my door, unlock it. I throw my bag in the car and I lock the, lock the door. They pull up. Okay. Hey, how's it going? I was like, great. How are you? Good. What's in the bag? And I was like, what bag? We had a bag. I said, the bag is in my truck. So what are you doing here? And I said, I live here. Okay. And they were like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, man, I live right up the road. Oh, so what's in the bag? And I said, you still focusing on the bag? Yeah, we want to know what's in the bag. Are you sure you're not like shoplifting or anything like that? And I was like, no. So so then the officer proceeds to, one proceeds to cross his arms and the other proceeds to put his hands on his gun belt, right? And I said, hey man, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, why? I said, because we've all taken the class as a sign of aggression and I'm not getting aggressive. So he's like, well, what's your name? I said, my name is name. I didn't want to give him my name because you, you, you pulled in this parking lot to ask me what's in the bag. I'm going home. Where do you live? Where I live at. Okay. And some people could say, well, Greg, you were kind of escalating the whole thing. No, I looked, they came in, they want to know what's in the bag. Then they thought I was shoplifting. So you're going through all this. So finally I said, look, man, can I just go home? No. You're not going home. I was like, okay. So they called for backup. Four more cops show up. The last cop that showed up was a friend of mine who was a lieutenant. He pulls in and he was like, hey, what's going on? Are you guys, we're here for him? And they were like, yeah, sir, we're here for him. And And he was like, do you know he's the fire chief? And they were like, what? Yeah, he's the fire chief. He is the fire. What are you guys doing? And then he said, Greg, what do you want to do? I said, I want these two individuals at my firehouse the next morning. And sure enough, they came with an apology letter. But my crew had a field day. And was like, you were the guys that tried to stop the chief and thought he was stealing stuff. Oh, man, he's up in his office. You got to go see him. He, he is, he's, he's upset. So when they were telling him, hey, go knock on his door. You know, he's been he's he's been in the mood because he didn't really think that this was going to happen like this. OK, we're all on the same team. Yeah, because he was black and that CVS and had a bag that you guys wanted to look at. Seriously. Come on. So, yeah. And now I tell people all the time, listen, I've, I've dealt with this my whole life, mm-hmm. even at my new job. Working in Escondido. <laughs> I've had a lady since this is kicked off. And I got to tell you, you know what it feels like? That it gave everybody the right to call me a name or have me suspicious of doing something. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't even walk 
in my own neighborhood that my individual lives at, and we are employees at this house. And I had a lady come out of our come out of her car, go back in her car, get out, and ask if we lived here. And I said, No, ma'am, we we work here, right down at the hill. And you can see all the cars. That's that's where we all work at. There's a group home. Da 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 da. You sure? Yeah. So I'm with a Hispanic young lady, our individual, because he wants to go and exercise. We walk, and myself. You know what she says to me? She says, oh, because I want to make sure you don't steal anything. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah. I was like, ma'am, God bless you. And I laughed it off. But my 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 associate next to me was like, how could you laugh? I said, because, you know, this happens. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to become numb to it, which is just, it's not okay. It, it isn't okay, but when you're in the, the this particular body, okay, I, I can't unzip it and change. And I tell people all the time, there are certain people that can blend in. Mm-hmm. Okay, blend in. I can't blend in. This is what this is. This is me, you know. And people don't realize that. What's you know? the biggest thing you know for our listeners, especially for those of us that want to be allies? Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for us? Stick up for us. If you see something that is not right, say something. Mm-hmm. Just say something. And you know what? When you do say something, that's when it'll start a conversation. Yeah. It will start that conversation that you don't want to have. It's uncomfortable, but you got to do it. it listen, and, and here's the thing. And, and I, I, I've, I've taken that and people say, well, it's so, so uncomfortable. What's uncomfortable about it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a black American, right? Okay. So it's, it's the same thing as me saying, oh my God. So I, you know, your hair is great today. And you're like, oh, thanks. Cool. Like, Hey, did you go to the meeting the other day? What did I miss? I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah. Right. It's, People are scared because they've never, they don't, they, they make themselves scared, basically. Okay. You've worked with this dude five years. You work with this individual, maybe 20. Okay. And they happen to be a person of color, right? You've gone to lunch. You've gone to business meetings. You've actually hung out. So what's wrong with having the conversations? Yeah. You know what I mean? Bringing it up like, hey, man, Dill, this whole thing has has taken off. What is your feeling on that? And they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to reverse it. So how do you feel about it? You know, like, you know what? I just never realized that this was actually happening because I don't know nothing about it. Yeah. I thought everybody was created equal. You know what I mean? And that's not the case. That isn't the case. And we still have... We have a hard time with it even more now than ever, okay? And, and and the biggest thing too is understanding, even medically, it's a problem, okay? Yeah. I, I mean, for instance, in my EMT class, how can you tell a person of color has proper circulation? I don't change colors, right? Mm-hmm. In the books, you know what it is? By my hands 
pulling my lip down to see circulation or my capillary refills on my nails. What are we doing? That's barbaric. I did, I mean, I was an EMT, but I remember doing like lifeguarding and other stuff. You still have to get like a title, I think it was title 22 right. certification. We never learned that. Right, exactly. You don't even know what a rash looks like on me. No. Right, so everybody that's in this melting pot of the United States, I know exactly how to work on a person that's white. Mm -hmm. I know what a rash looks like on you. I know when you have hives. I know because you're sick, you turn colors, right? You're upset, you get mad, you get you red and da da da. Hey, what about me? What's my rash look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's bruising, but it doesn't bruise as much as it bruises for you. You know what I mean? My pain is not the same pain for you. Exactly. Yeah. So if we could spend more time researching that, I think we'll be good. If we had more books that had that, we will be good. We're now getting to that standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we don't have that standard yet. Something that you brought up, and I know we talked about this beforehand, mm -hmm. but I, it kind of, I remember when I spoke with you on the phone a couple months ago and I kind of had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh. Cause I always mm -hmm. tell people, you know, when they talk about Michael, I always have a lot of friends come up to me and they're so nervous. They're like, uh -huh. hey, can I ask you a question about Michael? And you know, I could tell they're scared and they don't want to be offensive. And I'm like, dude, you just coming up to me asking a question and shows me that you care. I know your intent isn't malicious, right? but it shows me that you care. And even if it comes out offensive, I'll help you learn how to say it correctly in the future, you know? Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because I remember when I spoke to you, I was like, how many times have I not wanted to ask uncomfortable things that are uncomfortable for me that I wanted to ask someone who's black and ask about their experience. And I didn't want to be offensive. And I realized just showing the interest is huge. Just showing just your intent already is so obvious. Absolutely. For no reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. You take that walk mm -hmm. and some people are just not willing to take that walk yeah. because you find it offensive. No, we see it on the news every day. We hear about it. We're in our phones. What are we doing? It's easy, easy conversation. Oh, we're gonna have, it's, it's kind of hard. No, you know me for two years. Come on, I'm having the issue. I'm the one that's the issue for everybody else. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. Yeah. You know? Just being willing to ask, being willing to have that conversation is such a big deal. That's all we want you to do. Yeah. We want you to have the conversation, even though it might be uncomfortable, okay? So what do you do? You get out of your comfort zone. You get out of your comfort zone when you go to a meeting, I mean, to an interview, right? Yeah. It's a new job. <laughs> <laughs> you, have a, you have a new boyfriend. Now you want to introduce him to your parents because you guys have been dating for two years or whatever, right? It's an uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So what's uncomfortable while having a conversation? People go through life with uncomfortable things that has happened to them. So talking to another human, it, it's uncomfortable because it's a different color, but he's still a human. Yeah. She's, she's a human. Exactly. 
it's all it's all I, I feel like there's so much the um like it all kind of circles back it's just we're all humans we all want yeah. to be treated the same we all want the same things exactly we all different or behave different but in the end of the day we're all still human exactly exactly you know and then I, I don't I tell people don't make a mistake by saying you don't see color mm. don't ever say that yeah because if you don't see color then you don't see culture Exactly. If you don't see the culture and my color, then obviously the traffic light that you stop at every day is the same color. There is no red, yellow, or green. It's just one color. Yeah. Okay. Because it isn't. You have to see color. Okay. And and we as Black Americans, we hate that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really starting to bug us. Like, well, we don't see color because we're all the same. No, no. You see color. Because if you say that, you don't see color, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know where they're living, but it's not here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and and that's, I think people are going to be more aware of that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. So. Can you share with our listeners as well, you know, where have you experienced or where have you seen that intersection of racism and disability? Have you seen it in your current job? Have you experienced it beforehand? I, I, I have seen it in, in some jobs. Okay. And it's, it's not pretty. Yeah. It is, it is, it's horrible. It's horrible because you have, you have individuals, for instance, a group home. Okay. You have the, let's say the rainbow, white, black, Hispanic, whole nine in, in a house, okay? And there's a major, major discrimination because it's it's always it's always the, the white kid or white girl, right? That gets to go home on the weekends. Their room is, is top notch, has everything they can, can, you know, have and you should think of, video games, whatever, right? Medications, whatever it may be. Then you get, then that's the cutoff because you go down that, okay, he he doesn't have any parents. He's here by the state, Mm -hmm. right? Now it turns into where, okay, the money's an issue. Okay. His drugs are not thought out properly. Okay. And and then you, you sit there and you go, wow, this is, this is happening. Okay. The way they're dressed is 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 big okay you go wait a minute why is he disheveled and you guys are okay with that this person is not disheveled he's dressed they make sure his clothes are washed folded put away you know what i mean these other two over here they're disheveled you know what i mean they have a shirt on they want to wear the same shirt so on, like, whoa, his hair, he needs a haircut. Okay. Same thing with the, with the females. She needs to put her hair in braids. Well, I don't know how to do that. Okay. So what's, what's stopping you to take into to a salon? Yeah. Right. Take her to a salon. You go to a salon, right? Yeah. Well, yeah what is so why can't you take her to a salon? Maybe she needs to have that experience. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. The, so, so yeah, and, and and it's rough, and it's rough on me. And some people may not look at it like that. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's where I become the advocate. Yep. Okay. That's when I take things into my own hands and be like, oh, what are you doing? I'm giving him a shower. Okay. Where's his clothes? And I'm talking to you. Where's his clothes? Well, his clothes over here. Okay. Hey, why didn't you guys do laundry the other day? You know what I mean? Because now that's my start. That's my start saying, hey, I know what's going on. Okay. I'm trying to keep it at this level with me and you. I can take it there. And when I take it there, I know I'm labeled as a problem child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because now I start up the bee's nest. Yeah. But at the same time, people have to understand that is somebody's child, their brother, their sister, their relative. They want the same things, right? But you're not treating them like that. You're not even treating them like a human. And even though there are things in place, you know what I'm saying? There are things in place, you know, abuse and, you know, all this stuff that's lined up. I get it. But how much of that is being told? How much of that is the family coming in and looking? And and, and here's what I said before. I said, when you walk into a home because your your brother's there, your sister's there, you're looking at her. Don't focus really on her. Look at everybody else. And then you, and then question like, hey, how come, you know, my my brother here is put together, but why aren't they put together? Yeah. Okay. People don't ask that and they should. Mm-hmm. Because my brother's here. But why? And then you, you'll see that 95% of the time, look at the color difference. Yeah. That's, it, it's just those things that, you know, so many of us don't even think about asking or even thinking about. Right. And that's what I told you before. I mean, we had, a, we had a conversation about that. I said, if you decide to put a family member into a group home, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Do that unexpected visit. You know what I mean? If they go to a day program, go go look at the cars whose home office, look at the cars, high-end cars, and then go to the other parking lot for the employees and look at the low-end cars. You know what I mean? Where's yeah. the money going? You know? You, you, you have to look at that. And I, and I try to tell people, listen, you got to look at everything wide open. Step out of that box. Step out of that box. This is your son, daughter, family member that is going into these particular things, okay? Not only you want us to be advocates, but you as the relative need to be advocates also. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's funny because I there's a podcast episode I did right before this one with another other guest. And I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but she shared she was a special ed assistant somewhere uh-huh. at a high school up in LA. 5,000 students in this high school mm-hmm. and she was in, you know, just one of the T's in the special needs class. And she said, every student in there, there wasn't any person of color in that class. Right. And it just, right. you know, it was kind of crazy. And she said, this was a very mixed school. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a very white high school. It was a very mixed school, mm-hmm. but that special education program was very white. Yep. Have yeah. you seen anything like that, especially growing up or just, you know, I, do you kind of get an understanding where that may come from that out of this? Well, think about? my, my last job at a facility that I worked at, it was a day program mm-hmm. and you, you really have to 
really be wide eyed. Okay, wide eyed. And when I when I first started working there, and when I first started working there, I always like to sit back and see who the key players are for employees who who runs with this particular crowd, my supervisors, okay. And it finally came down to I had um, I have a supervisor. There were four supervisors, okay, and I realized out of the four. Two of them are white and two of them were Hispanic. Okay. But I knew for some reason that the two Hispanic ladies had no power. Mm. Yeah. Had none. Had nothing. You're just there because we put you there. Okay. And, and, and you would think that if something was to go down, you would, as a supervisor, investigate what's going on, right? No. It was right up or dismissed, fired, gone. So why are you in that position? You Won't you tell your side? Nope. No, we don't need her. It's okay. Wait, what are you talking about? She's my supervisor. No, it's, it's okay. Why are you put it there? And I, I was labeled a troublemaker because I would speak up. I'm like, you serious? Yeah. You guys serious? Listen, I have got, I got written up three times at this particular job. Okay. <laughs> and I laugh about it now because I thought it was ridiculous. And, and my supervisor would never, ever come to me. If there was a complaint about me, they would, they would literally do an investigation, never talk to me about it, go to my supervisor. He would know about it. Never say, Greg, can I talk to you about this particular incident? Sure. No, they would write it up, get a statement, and then wait a week and then call me in the office. Hey, we need to talk to you. Hey, did this happen? I'm like, yo, that was a week ago. No, that didn't happen. Well, you know, we had to, what are you talking about? And then I had to look at my supervisor and say, you knew about this? Well, you know, and then I, I lost it. I said, who are you? Who are you? You're my supervisor. You guys did an investigation without me, without even a statement from me. You, you did it for a week and nobody questioned me? I said, you guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. And, and, and then when I went in the office, I never got to see the person who made the complaint, but I'll tell you it was in the office, which I, at one point I didn't care. There's three white people in the office. Yeah. Okay. And every time I got in trouble, which was, I, I couldn't even imagine. I was like, I don't even understand why I'm getting in trouble again. Yeah. You know, you pull me in the office and then that gave me the right to talk to me like any old way. Like I'm this little kid. And I had to tell him, no, you ain't talking to me like that. This meeting's over. I'm not signing anything. And then you figure like, why do we get an attitude? You know what I mean? Because I think that, you know, some, us as black Americans can get an attitude. But when you keep coming up with these things and breaking your own rules and not even giving us a fair try, because you're already proven us guilty before this even happened, before you even talked to me, that's where the problem comes in. Absolutely. And then when I, right. So when I leave, 
you've put out to everybody, all the supervisors, Greg is a problem child. And when I was told that, I ran with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so scary and such a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I did. I, I got written up one time because I was protecting a lady, one supervisor from a behavior. And then a report went back to say that I dragged her on the ground. Yeah. And I, I was like, no. And, you know, I, I held her by her elbow. You know what I mean? It wasn't harassment. That's one of the areas I, I just, uh, you know, uh, what? He, he dragged me. He had an attitude. And I was like, she had a bad knee. What are you talking about? And that was two weeks, two weeks until they talked to me about it. But well, we had her statement. Never talked to me about it. Yeah. It was, it, it was, I was like, wow, this is, and I knew then I overstayed my welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I just Absolutely. Think, thank you so much for sharing all this. I think, and you, part of me wants to just find the solution right away, but I think it's a whole, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the wording about it, but it's like these seeds have been planted centuries ago. Yeah. Now we have to kind of work on uprooting it. And it's, you know, I always say, you know, what happened last year wasn't just a moment. It's a movement. Right. And I think we got to keep talking about it, keep uncovering these stories and really make this known. Yeah. And and I'm going to tell you, I think the I always say the new squads that are coming out, the, the, the new squads are the kids that are in college that are graduating. Watch out. Yeah. Because they got their stuff together. Okay, so everybody that's been sitting in a position for 15, 20 years, you got these new college students coming out that want to make the changes. And the only thing I'm going to do is this. All right. Get back to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let it go. Let it ride out. And only I'm like, thank you. Because I think the, the kids that are in college now, like, you know, people say they're millennials and so on and so forth. But you know what? Those are the ones that really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got old people like me. I care. You know what I'm saying? And they recognize that. Like, oh, that guy, he's working hard. He's having a good time. That's what his job is all about. Listen, everybody else has got the attitude and don't want to be there, but it's all about the money. Because remember, money talks. I'm not about the money. Yeah. Okay. I'm all about you coming to see me about your brother and me telling you, hey, well, this happened the other day. So when he was with you, what happened? You know what I mean? We're building this rapport, right? Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was like, yo, your brother smacked me in the face the other day. I took it. I was upset with him. I told him, oh, you know, Michael, I'm upset, bro. What happened? Right? Yeah. But then you have, a, but you have an ally because now me, you, and Michael are all on the same page. That's what it, that's what it all boils down to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be honest. I'm like, oh, man, I fell. I fell on top of Michael. It was crazy. That's why he got hurt. I'm a big man. I break concrete when I fall. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? There's, there's nothing that we should be hiding. But again, the older generation that are up there right now sitting happy. The new team is coming. We're ready to make a move. We're ready to make a yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I want to be right on the side like, yeah, <laughs> when can I have been? <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, you know? I love it. What, what are your closing remarks for our listeners? What do you want our listeners to leave with after listening to you today? 
listen, we're all humans. You know what I mean? We're all human beings. Let's, let's respect each other. Let's care for one another. Yeah. Let's love each other. Okay? Even just saying hello, make somebody's day. Okay? We're all humans. Let's get it together. Please, let's get it together. You know what I mean? And and just let's move on. Let's let's make this place a better, better place. And those of you that got kids, come on, let's get it together. Let's get it together. Okay. All right, we're tired. I'm tired. Everybody's tired. Okay. Let's make it happy. And you know, I'm not saying we gotta, you know, have a drum line or nothing, but listen, let's get our stuff together. Let's care for one another. Okay. No matter what their background is. I don't care if you say hello. Thank you. Hold the door. Nice shirt. Cool shoes. <laughs> a little bit of kindness goes such yeah, a way. Yeah. Kindness. You know what I mean? Kindness. Don't get scared. Get out of your box. Get out of that comfort zone. Go get yes. uncomfortable and grow. Yes. yes. Get out of that box. Mm -hmm. open up and see the world for what it really is yeah you know i'm here <laughs> That's beautiful. thank you greg i cannot thank you enough for joining us today this has all been so incredible and i'm just so excited that we got to listen to your story listen to your input and i cannot thank you enough for that no no thank you okay <laughs> i've been waiting so long to get this thing going. I had to have Sherry like, hey, honey, could you buy, write my bio, please? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it, I was, love it. it was a team effort. It was a team effort, you know. Thank <laughs> you for my wife, because if without her, this, this, my bio would have been shot, okay? Oh, you just were like, Greg Hudgens, fireman, retired, done, works for Mary Okay, here you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, listen, I, you always have to have the boss. Okay. Absolutely. Us alpha males. Right. I always say I got to run things by the CEO of the company. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. How funny. Yes. Like I said, I'm in your corner whenever you need me. Okay. Just a ring a ding ding or text how you younger folks how to do things. Okay. <laughs> you know, email, whatever. I'm here. I'm glad you got this thing going. It's fantastic. You're great. Tell your brother Mike, I'll say, what's up? Okay. I'll <laughs> get to see him super soon. I'm super excited. Good, good, good. And all to all the viewers, hey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so get it going. Get it going. Let none stop you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Beyond the Waves blog. And if you know someone who may benefit from today's episode, please feel free to share with them so we can share the Beyond the Waves mission of spreading unconditional love and showing what it looks like to grow up with a sibling who has Down syndrome. I'm so grateful for all of you, sending you all so much love, and I'll talk to you next week.